and welcome back to the Heart to Handle Sports Podcast. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Manchester City punched their ticket into their first ever Champions League final, defeating PSG 4-1. The Liverpool versus Manchester United game gets cancelled. The fans invaded Old Trafford. Wolves and West Brom draw 1-1. Wolves played a bunch of young players. Also, Aaron Rodgers wants out of the Packers. Where is he going to go? To the Broncos? To the Niners? We'll touch on that. Draft day came and went. The Niners select Trey Lance. The Bears trade up for Justin Fields. All of that on this episode. And to wrap it up, the Lakers beat the Nuggets 93-89 without LeBron James snapping a three-game losing streak. All of that on this episode. Let's get started. Manchester City defeat PSG 4-1 on aggregate 2-0 this Tuesday in the second leg in Manchester. Under the rain, under a little bit of snow. They show up, they show their class. Pep Guardiola, after 10 years, is back in the Champions League final, this time with Manchester City. He couldn't do it with Bayern. He had struggled to do it with City, but he finally gets there. He's finally back in the Champions League final. We'll see who he goes up against. Tomorrow's the game, Real Madrid versus Chelsea. But... Let's let's give our flowers to Manchester City. They thoroughly dominated PSG. They showed them who the real team is, who how a team plays when when they're really playing together, when there's a lot of chemistry, when they're all playing as one. PSG continue to look as a very individualistic team, very a bunch of egos that just want to show out and and you know have their name up in the banners. That's that's how I feel PSG is. And today it showed they really couldn't had zero shots on target. Um, they could they didn't have a shot on target the second half of the first leg. I believe I saw a tweet that said PSG did not have a shot on target since like the 20th minute of the first game. So it was just thorough domination by a city. They deserve to go through. Um, if if I was to point out some key players, I would first. Tip my hat to Ruben Diaz. He is the best center back in the world right now. He's played amazing. He was blocked. He was everywhere. He was. It looked like there were six or seven Ruben Diaz out there. It was a sight to behold. He was winning balls in the air. He was lunging at every shot, at every cross. It seemed like anything that PSG was able to muster, Ruben Diaz was there to sniff it out, to to reject, to send back. Like if I was a PSG player, I w- I would be tired of Ruben Diaz. I wouldn't want to see Ruben Diaz at all. I wouldn't want to run into him after the pitch. I wouldn't want to trade jerseys with him. I wouldn't want to see him in the tunnel. I am tired of seeing Ruben Diaz if I'm a PSG player. He was everywhere. He was a nuisance. And my I'm I was I was thoroughly impressed by how good they looked, by how good Ruben Diaz and that defense have looked. Ederson, one of the best keepers in the world really didn't have to do much in the game. Um, There was no shots on target. The defense was just elite. Stones played great, too. Kyle Walker played great. Shashenko played great. That whole back four played great. And Ederson, I touched on him in a little bit. Let me give him some props, too. The pass that he had in the buildup to the first goal, that is amazing. Ederson provides you with a keeper that could play with his feet, that could start your offense, that could push the ball down the field through the lines of the defense. Just Ederson, an amazing keeper. I think he he surpassed Allison this season as the best Brazilian keeper. I don't know if he will be the number one in Brazil in the South American in the South uh South America uh tournament, um, the Copa America. I don't know if he's gonna be the Copa America starting keeper uh, this summer when Brazil take the field. But in my opinion, he has surpassed Allison as the best. Brazilian goalkeeper Ederson he has been amazing Allison obviously we know that he had a down year but we all know that uh, especially with national teams there's a lot of players that just kind of have set positions and those national team coaches don't like to switch up a lot of their team sometimes so we'll see if Allison keeps that starter position or Ederson does take that starting position from him but again Ederson amazing season He's up there as top three, top two. He might be the best goalkeeper right now in the world. Tip my hat to Ederson. Also, uh, Mares, he scored two goals. He had three in the semifinal combined on both legs. I just want to give him props too. Ever since he broke out with Leicester City, you could just see the class. You could just see his type of player he is. He he has a magical left foot. Yeah, sometimes he over dribbles. Yeah, sometimes he doesn't pass the ball, but... 
hey, you need that. If you're going to be one of the elite wingers, you need to be a little ball hoggy. You know, you need to believe that you're always going to score. And I'm glad that he's getting he's getting his shine right now with Manchester City. I would have loved him. I would have loved them to stay with Leicester City and see what he could do with them. But I don't blame him going to City. And I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy how his career is going. Uh, I'm very I'm happy that he's in the final. Uh, I'm not the biggest Manchester City fan, but I am I am happy for Mades to get in the final. And Foden, another player that deserves, you know, his flowers. Another solid, great game. He assisted. He he was everywhere. He looks super comfortable with the ball. He's a sight. He he's just an amazing player to watch. He's so young. Uh, I'm glad that we got players coming through the ranks all over the world um, to be that next generation that's going to entertain us for years and years to come. Foden being one of them, I think he's leading the charge. He might be the best young player in the world right now, other than, you know, your stars, Mbappe, and, you know, all the other ones that Sancho, all, all the other young players, you know, Haaland. Foden, he is amazing, too. And... He had another great game. Gundogan, he had another good game. Fernandinho, he was, he I think he had his birthday today. He turned 36 years old. Want to give him some props too. He had an amazing game. Just overall, this was a great performance by City. They thoroughly, they thoroughly overmatched PSG. PSG never really looked dangerous. Never looked like they were gonna turn this tie. Never looked like they were gonna uh, put Manchester City in danger of not going to the final. So. Tip my hat off to Manchester City. PSG, like I said, they keep reminding me and reminding me how much of an individualistic team this is. How much is just a... This, PSG is just a collection of stars, a collection of really, really good players. For everyone that was saying that this is like the oil, the oil derby, you know, the oil money that went into Manchester City, the oil money that went into PSG. Everyone's saying that, but it's too different. Like, it, the way they play on the field is too different. They might, they might have built the teams up similarly when they got you know new owners and oil money in, invested into their team but they can they play completely different on the pitch PS, um, psg is an individualistic team they don't look together it's a bunch of really good players just a collection of talent manchester city has an amazing squad too but they also play as one they play connected they press together they defend together it's just night and day and PS, for PSG, I'm not saying it won't work, but they've invested so much money since, I believe, like 2011. They still haven't won the Champions League. They got to a final last year. They got to the semifinals this year. So maybe they are right on the cusp of getting to another final, winning it. We'll see. We'll see if Neymar stays. We'll see if Mbappe plays, um, stays. We'll see what they do. We'll see how Potecino is able to progress with PSG. But another year, another year that PSG doesn't win the Champions League. And we'll see if Neymar stays. There is rumors that he wants to go back to Barcelona. There is rumors that Mbappe is going to go to Real Madrid. We'll see what happens with this PSG team. But so far, I believe nine years, ten years into their experiment, into this new generation of PSG with a lot of money to spend, over a billion dollars spend, and no Champions Leagues um, trophies to bring home, to bring back to Paris, to bring back to France. I would like I would like to say that it, it is a disappointment. Today it was disappointing that Mbappe couldn't play. We would I would have loved to see if Mbappe could have played. It might have been a different game. They completely shut him down in the first leg, but uh, I would have still liked to see seen him in the second in the second leg to see if he could have maybe carried the team. Fortunately, he didn't play. He didn't even get subbed. Uh, unfortunate to see Di Maria lose his head and stomp on Fernandinho. Uh, but you know I think PSG they they have a bunch of hotheads and. At his show today, and I think Manchester overall, Manchester City was the way better team. They thoroughly deserve to go to the final, and we'll see who they play after Chelsea and Real Madrid finish their matchup tomorrow. But moving along, Liverpool and Manchester United is the biggest game in England. It's one of the biggest draws, one of the biggest games in all of the world, in Europe, in England, all over the world. Liverpool versus Manchester United is one of the best games to watch as a fan, as a, as a kid, as a fan of the teams, as a neutral. That is one of the games you want to watch. A lot of history. Um, the two biggest teams in England going at it. I was very excited to watch it on Sunday. And I woke up to the news that Liverpool and Manchester United was in danger of getting rescheduled or getting postponed or getting pushed back. Because of fans that were invading Old Trafford for the game. 
the scenes were crazy. Uh, I think the Arsenal game was on versus Newcastle, and they just completely interrupted that game. They paused that coverage to show what was going on at Old Trafford. If you guys haven't seen the, if you guys haven't seen the scenes that took place, the pictures, I'll put some on the video. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching, if you're just listening, I'll put some links on the description so you guys can click on it just to see like the magnitude and how many people were actually there, what was going on. But it was crazy, like to see all those people congregating. Um, you know, joining forces to invade Old Trafford. They got on the pitch. They got on the bleachers. They got on the stands. Uh, they even got into the into the dress rooms, the locker rooms. It was just complete mayhem. Uh, you know, the broad the MVC broadcast that I was watching called it like an embarrassment because you know that should never happen. And I, I for myself, I kind of understand where the fans are coming from. Like, yeah, they want to see new ownership. They don't believe that. The owners, the Glazier family for Manchester United is really has the best interest for Manchester United. They, they don't like where the team is going. They, they don't like how the team has been performing since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. They don't they don't like that they try to join the European Super League. So I know where the fans are coming from, but this was a little too much. I mean, I, I don't think uh, maybe I'm, I'm in the minority, but... Breaking into Old Trafford, although it is illegal and it is not something that I would personally do, probably, I can see why they wanted to do that, to send a strong message. Yeah, protesting outside of Old Trafford, that would send a message. But if, like, if you get in, if you, you know, if you go into the pitch, and then I, I felt like that was, that was a big message that had to be sent to the Glacier family. I'm not condoning it, but I, I could see why they would do it. But once, you know, once authorities got in there and once the people, uh, they're kind of like protect the stadium, not the police, but uh, I forgot what they're called. But the people with the little with the little orange jackets that you know keep you off the field when you're when they have fans in the stadiums. Those people that were there, once they showed up and they had and they told them you know nicely because they don't they don't have no weapons, they don't have they just have authority basically in the stadium. Once those people showed up and told them, hey, I get what you're doing, like let's get out of here. I think that should have been enough. That should have been like, all right, we. We did our thing, you know. We we got the headlines. We we broke into Old Trafford. This is gonna make news. This is gonna put some pressure on the Glazier family. I think that that was enough. That was I think that when if, if they would have ended right there, I I don't think I would really had too much of a problem. Yeah, they did some trespassing, which I'm not condoning. One more time, I want to say I'm not condoning, but I could see why they would want to send like a very powerful message. But once they once they retaliated, once the police got there and they were still there, or once they started, you know, like throwing flares, throwing flares into the state, into the into the bleachers, into the seats. Once they started to make a ruckus, you know, really like messing up the pitch and going at it with the police, throwing uh, there was like reports that they were throwing like uh, some dangerous stuff at the police. I think that's when it gets. That's when you're like, okay, they're they're kind of like. This is more than just a, a riot, or like I mean, this is a riot. This is more than just like an invasion of the pit of the stadium to send a message to the Glazer family. This is just kind of anarchy. This is anarchy, and that's that's not what I like because I don't want anyone to get injured. Uh, I don't want you know the people that work the stadium that that's their job just to keep fans off the stadium, just to kind of protect it. They're not they're not the police. They're just there to protect you know the players and keep people off the off the pitch when uh, when there's fans. I think uh, I don't want any of those people to get hurt. Obviously, I don't want the police to get hurt for, you know, however you may feel about the police. Obviously, we don't want we don't want anyone to get hurt. We don't even want the people protesting, invading the the pitch to get hurt either. But once once it got violent, once they started throwing flares, once they weren't leaving, that's when I was like, okay, that's a little too much. I can see where you're coming from, but that's a little too much. Let's get out of here. I saw people bringing their kids to this. Like it was, it was. It seemed like it was a family outing for some people. It was like, hey, what are we doing today? We're gonna go to Old Trafford. We're gonna break in, and we're gonna send a message to the Glacier family. But then it took on more than that, and that's when that's that's when I was like, okay. But like when the Arsenal game was playing and they were showing the scenes and the, how they broke into the stadium, I was like, oh, these English people don't mess around. They really want to send a message, and I was like, like okay, like they're gonna get this message now. But once. Once all that rioting stuff happening and the flares and like fighting back with the police, that's when I was like, okay, 
the message is getting lost a little bit. Now we're talking about how this is a riot, how the police had to interfere. And, and the main message got lost because I feel like they took they took too much. They, they were there too long. They would have just broken in, send a message like, hey, this is our team. This is our stadium. We want you out of here. This is our message to you. You know, there's a, there's a lot of us here. It's not just a couple people. There's a lot of us here sending the message. We're here in the stadium. You can see us. Look at us. Look how many of us. Look around. Like, this is our team. This is our stadium. All right, you know, thank you. Uh, let's see Liverpool and Manchester United play. Or if they get the game postponed or they delay it a little bit, you know, whatever. But I think that would have been a good message. Like, oh, damn, they really broke into Old Trafford because they wanted to send a message. Damn. But now we're talking more about how they fought back with the police, how they went overboard. And I think the message got lost a little bit. But we'll see where when they rescheduled this Liverpool versus Manchester United game. Liverpool desperately need, desperately need a victory to stay in the race. Tottenham won, West Ham won, Chelsea won. Everybody around them won. Um, Tottenham, Bell scored a hat-trick, so they're heating up. West Ham came back and won, so they're... They're still gritty. They're, they're going to try to get that spot. Liverpool has to win. Liverpool needs this game. We'll see where they squeeze this game in. But it's a key game. It's it's one of the biggest games in Europe. So I'm very excited to see when they reschedule it. Hopefully soon. Hopefully they are able to fit in. It's not like a big chaos. And hopefully there's not another protest in that rescheduled time. But I do, I do want to say this. like People knew that this was going to happen. Um, it was no secret. People were planning it. People were, were saying that there's going to be a protest at Old Trafford and the security wasn't that good. So, hey, maybe the Glazers wanted this to happen. Maybe they knew it would go overboard and they would look that people would forget about why they want them to leave. I don't know, but it was crazy scenes. If you guys haven't seen it, make sure to check it out. West Brom and Wolves tie 1-1. Wolves went with a very young team. Vitinha got a start. Otisawi, after not playing for a while, got a start. Out Nari at left back, got a start. Uh, Fabio Silva got a start. It was a welcoming sight, if I do say so myself. Wolves this season has not been the best. Raul Jimenez, there's so many injuries. This team is completely depleted. It's a terrible season, getting... Beaten 4-0 last, last week by Burnley. It was an embarrassment. It should have never happened. And I, it, I was very excited. I was It was a breath of fresh air to see this very young team um, line up against Albion. Yes, Albion is going to get relegated most likely. They needed a win and they draw, so they're pretty much done. And yes, the Wolves are not going to climb up into you know a Europa League spot. This is The season's done. They're not going to get relegated, so... What was there to lose? Yes, I know that if you move up in rankings, if you move up up the table, there's money to be had. You could have more uh, at the end of the season by the Premier League. But I think it's important when you have players on loan like Vitinha, like Outnery, to get them playing time, to get them starter minutes, to get them real quality minutes, not just coming in as a sub and playing the last 10 minutes where you don't really get to evaluate a player. You could kind of see how they're doing, but you can't really like thoroughly evaluate them. I think it was important to get them starts, to get the minutes. The two players I was most excited to see was Vitinha, because I've seen what he does with the Portugal youth team, the U21s, and Otosawi, because in the small minutes that he's had with with the Wolves, I've been very impressed. He's a big body. He's a physical presence. He has quick feet. He's very, I, I feel like he's very, he could be clumsy sometimes, but he's very tactical, which is weird. Like he has shifty feet. He can maneuver around players way smaller than him and then sometimes he does look a little clumsy but I think he has a lot of potential and he showed it against Albion there was a couple of plays where he was just shifting the ball from left to right getting around players Vitinha had probably the best game that he's had as the Wolves he was controlling the midfield he was dribbling with the ball he was pushing the ball on his feet it was it was a sight to behold I I love this game from Vitinha he was the man of the he was a, the fans voted him as the man of the match, and I think that was correct. And I think I've seen enough. I mean, I'll, I hopefully he keeps getting starts these last four games that the Wolves have. I want to see how he finishes out the season. I do believe uh, to to make this loan into a buy for them to buy Bitinia, it will be a little like it would be a good amount of money. 
But if he impresses these last four games, I would like to keep Vitinha. I think he's he's a creative player. He knows how to shift his body. He knows how to move defenders. He, he's not the fastest, but he is capable of dribbling with the ball, of being smart with his movements, moving players, moving defenses. I like what I see from Vitinha. Otasawi, again, he shows that he has a lot of potential. He He's a very physical player. I think the the midfield for the Wolves has really missed someone that could get a box-to-box midfielder. Mutinho, you know, he's had a great career. He's a great player. He's a great leader. Uh, I have the Wolves on Instagram. There's always videos of him coaching players in the training camp, in the training grounds, telling players what to do. You're like, hey, I mean, you can't really, I, I'm not a good person. I'm not good enough at reading mouse. But he's always like, you know, you can see the hand movements. He's telling players where to go. He's hugging them. Like, hey, you know, look, do this. Uh, did you see that? That's what you're supposed to do. Mutinho, class player, class career. Great, great contribution to the Wolves in his, what, three years he's been here. But he's getting old. He's not really that mobile anymore. And he never was, like, elite at, at speed and, you know, being a physical player. And now even more when he's 34, 35 years old, he's not a box-to-box midfielder. He looks slow in the midfield sometimes. Nevis is 24, I believe, years old. But he's not fast by any means either. So the midfield definitely looks slow. If Vitinha... And Otosawi were to take over that midfield, I think it would add a lot of speed. It would add a lot of youth. It would add a lot of creativity. And I, I want them to keep continuing to continue to keep starting for the Wolves. Um, Fabio Silva also started. He looked uh, decent. He scored a goal off a rebound. And when you're forward, it doesn't really matter how you score them. And when you're trying to get your confidence, when you're trying to, you know, develop. So I was happy that he got a goal. It looks like he. I think he's having a great time with the Wolves. Uh, I hope he develops into the player that the Wolves think he could develop. Uh, I know in the middle of the season, a lot of fans were losing hope in him. I I knew it was a tough situation, and I didn't really want to criticize him that hard. I kept hope. And now these last few few games, these like four to last three to four games, he's really showed up. He's gotten an assist. He scored. He scored again today. So I like what I'm seeing from the youth. Obviously, I would have liked the Wolves to beat the to be Albion to relegate West Brom into the second into the championship, but a, a tie basically does the same. And the Wolves are playing. The Wolves are pretty much playing to develop their young players for next season to see if they're gonna keep Vitinha and Alnuri. Alnuri had another good game too. He looked dangerous from the left side. Obviously, if Johnny's healthy, he's gonna be starting left back, left wing back, whatever formation they're playing. But Alnuri, he looked good. Uh, he had some. Uh, runs where he cut in the middle and he kind of penetrated the defense through the middle. I like what I saw from Alnuri. Has he done enough to justify getting bought by the Wolves? We'll see. Um, but I, I like what I saw from the youngsters. The defense continues to be a liability. Um, Connor Cody, uh, Saiz, I don't think they're good enough. I think the Wolves need to invest in a quality center back for next year maybe go back to a back five if you want if if you want to pursue this back four a center back is definitely necessary but overall Wolves versus West uh, West Brom Avion was a good game decent game it was there was a lot of rain it was sloppy but two players really shine Vitinha and Otosawi in my opinion um, deserve minutes all the youngsters deserve minutes but especially Vitinha and Otosawi I want to see them start I want to see them finish on a strong note, these last four games for the Wolves. And maybe maybe it won't be a lost season for the Wolves. Maybe if we look back at this season, we'll see. Hey, it was it was it definitely was a transition season. Like we're going from Moutinho and you know size and Bali. Like we, we realized that our center backs weren't good enough. We invested in the offseason in center backs and we made the transition to Vitinha, Otosawi in the midfield. And we can, and then next season we continue to ascend as a contending team in the Premier League. And I think if we take that away from this season, if that's the outcome, is that if that's the solutions, like like Nuno likes to say, if those are the solutions that come from this season, then I think I could I could live with this season. But enough soccer. Let's transition into the NFL. The draft came and went, and we have a lot to talk about. 
right before the NFL draft started, a report came out that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. He is not happy with the Packers, and he wants out. It broke the internet. Everybody was talking about it. It was like, whoa, Aaron Rodgers wants out of the Packers. Where is he going to go? You know, all the Packer fans were crying. All the fans of almost every NFL team was like, what can we do to get Aaron Rodgers on our roster, on our team? Um, do I think this is going to happen? Do I think he's going to leave the Packers? No. If I was to bet money on it, if, if, if you were to hold a gun to my face, I would probably say he's going to be with the Packers for the 2021-2022 season just because he is the reigning MVP. He just had one of the best seasons in his career. And I don't think the Packers would get proper compensation for Aaron Rodgers, even though he is 30... Six years old, I think people would leverage that as an argument as why they don't want to give the Packers so much, uh, you know, draft capital or young players in return. But I do think Aaron Rodgers has six six good years left. He could play till he's forty two, I believe. Like like Brady, uh, he said that he's in the best condition of his life. He's never felt better. And the evidence was that he won MVP. He was great. He was amazing. He looked mobile. Uh, he's had some leg injuries in the past. Um, if he does have another injury, I think that might speed up the process. Like, he has had a lot of injuries, so if he has another big one, he might call it. But if he stays healthy, the way he looked, the way his arm looks, I think he has another six good years. Four, three to four elite years, and then another two where he's really, really good. But if NFL teams, if I know anything about NFL teams, that they're always going to try to fleece you. So they're going to sell, they're going to tell the Packers, hey, he's 36 years old. There's no guarantee he plays more than two years. Here's one first round pick and let's call it a day. So the Packers won't really get fair compensation, even though I do believe if any team trades for him, they're going to get him for at least four years, maybe six. But with that said, the two teams that, that really came up were the 49ers and the Broncos, the 49ers, were said to have called the Packers on Wednesday night to see if he was available. Uh, reports say that the Packers hung up that phone quickly. They told them he's not he's not on sale. He can't trade for him. Um, you're wasting your time. So that phone call was allegedly very short. Then there was reports that the Broncos had a package for Aaron Rodgers and that it was only a matter of time. It still might only be a matter of time. Well, like today is Tuesday, uh, May 4th, 5.47 p.m. Western Standard Time. So maybe I'm missing some news right now, but like there is reports saying that it's just a matter of time for the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. I do not believe that. I think in the end, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get a new contract with a lot of guaranteed money. He is the MVP of the league. And the Packers are going to run it back, and hopefully they win it this year. Uh, they have had two back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL. They finally developed a run game. Their defense is coming along. They drafted a wide receiver, albeit not in the first round like a lot of people wanted them to. But they did get a wide receiver in the draft. And they were definitely one of the contending teams. And if, the, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Niners, which is unlikely now because they just got Trey Lance. He would be up against Russell Wilson, up against Matthew Stafford, up against Kyler Murray in the, one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. I don't think he'll shy away from it, but I'm just saying that's a that's a harder division than the one he's in right now. And if he goes to the Broncos, he would go up against Mahomes twice a year. He would go up against um, Herbert twice a year, and that would be one of the most stacked divisions QB-wise ever in NFL history. So in my heart of hearts, I do believe that Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers will eventually figure it out. They'll find a way to stay together. He might not finish. I'm not saying he's going to finish his career with the Packers, but I I just think for this upcoming year, I think he's going to stay and he's going to play it out with them. But it was Adam Schefter that reported this. It was Adam Schefter, the, the most respected, probably the most respected uh, NFL insider like ever like everyone knows who NFL Sh- I mean Adam Schefter is and if he reports something that is most likely true so if Aaron Rodgers has told you know the Green Bay Packers that he does not want to come back there is a lot of validity to it and I would not be surprised if he leaves but my my heart in my opinion I think he's gonna stay 
but I won't be surprised if he leaves. It's like a 51-49. So uh, there is a very big chance that he might leave. I just don't see who will pony up all the picks. And I did read this stat that no reigning MVP has ever been traded. Uh, two have retired. I forgot who they were, but uh, no reigning MVP has ever been traded. Uh, it was uh, Jim Brown and Norm Van Brocklin. Uh, those were the two that retired after winning MVP. But no MVP has ever been traded after winning the MVP the following season or the previous season, I believe. So I think that will continue. I don't I don't think the Packers are that dumb. I don't think um, Jordan Love is ready to be the starting quarterback. I think they have a win-now roster. I think they're closer than a lot of people realize. And... I think I think I just think they're running back. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you guys think Aaron Rodgers is gonna leave? What team will realistically be able to trade for Aaron Rodgers? The the one thing that I'm not thinking of because the Broncos and the and the um, the Broncos and the Niners, yeah, they kind of make sense. But there might be a team that has a young quarterback that just says, you know what, we love you. You're a young quarterback. You have a lot of potential. But this is Aaron Rodgers. This is Aaron freaking Rodgers. He's MVP, and he's better than you. And he's realistically going to play four to six years. So although you're a very young quarterback and you have a lot of bright future, this is Aaron Rodgers, and he's possibly the best thrower in all of NFL history. So we got to make this move. And I won't blame them if they do that. But so who, what team realistically would do that? Or like the Bills? I don't think they would do that. They have, they like their quarterback. Um, the Ravens, I don't think they do that. The Chargers, I don't think they do that. Um, pack the like with like if the Falcons trade Matt Ryan, would the Packers want Matt Ryan? Uh, like who who realistically could get him? I don't know. You guys let me know. But in in my heart of hearts, I think he's gonna stay. I think I just think he's gonna stay. Like there's, I don't see a destination for him. The Saints could the Saints pull it off? They need a quarterback. They just, Drew Brees just retired. I don't know. I don't see it, him leaving. I could be wrong, but I, I get where Rodgers is. I get why Rodgers would want to leave, and I am a Rodgers fan, so I would pretty I would be happy for him he, if he gets to get out of that situation. He must be seeing what the Buccaneers do for Brady, just getting him everything, um, re-signing everyone, just going into cap hell, like, fuck it, like, We'll deal with it down the line. Like, if we're in cap hell, we're going to go win some championships right now. And the Packers, they just keep like, oh, we're going to, you know, play it safe and think about the future and not go all in. And, like, the same for Mahomes. Like, we're just going to trade first-round picks to build you a better line. And we're going to, you know, hit up people that retired so that they could come back and they could protect you. Like, hit up Kyle Long. Like, hey, do you want to play? And they, they sign, you know, the Rams starting center. And they sign, you know, the the Patriots left guard and, and they just fix all the problems that they had last season. They're like, you know what? You're the best quarterback. Let's try to get you as much as we can. And the Packers have never really done that for Aaron Rodgers. They're not big players in free agency. Historically, uh, they don't really trade up in the draft. If anything, they trade down. They, they don't really select star players. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I would be frustrated too. So I am rooting for him to leave. I just don't think it's going to happen. And that's that. The biggest... The biggest question mark going into the NFL draft was who were the Niners going to select at number three? Uh, Mac Jones was the favorite once the Niners moved up to number three. Um, and then after that, it fluctuated. There's people saying it was going to be Justin Fields. Then it became Trent Lance. Then it went back to Mac Jones. The day before the draft, I predicted that it was going to be Trey Lance. By using deduction, I canceled uh, Justin Fields. Or basically, Ian Rappaport said that it was going to come down between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I mean, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And I didn't think it was going to be Mac Jones, so I chose Trey Lance. And sure enough... It was Trey Lance, so congratulations for the Niners for selecting Trey Lance. I do believe that was the right pick. Mac Jones, he does throw a pretty spiral, but I don't think he has the mobility. Uh, he, he has had some mistakes in college, some decision-making. Um, he might turn out to be a great quarterback with the with the Patriots, but I think that makes 
much way more sense for the Patriots selecting him at 15 where they didn't move up. They just, you know, he fell to them at 15 for the Niners to jump from 12 to three to give up two other first round picks and the 12th overall pick to move up. The upside for Max Jones is not that high. So I was like, whoa, are they really moving up to number three to select Mac Jones? And fortunately for Niner fans, they didn't. They chose Trey Lance, although Trey Lance is also a very insane, like, quality, quality guy, quality player. But he is, by the definition, he is a project quarterback. He might take a year. They might start Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, He basically didn't play last year. He only played one game. So it's been a while since he's had, like, a lot of football snaps. I do believe in Trey Lance, though. He has a cannon of an arm. He's very mobile. He's very fast. He looks like a very humble kid. He looks like a great guy to be around. And his potential is through the roof. He he definitely fits that Patrick Mahomes mold. And the Niners offense goes sideline to sidelines, goes 100 miles per hour. All this eye candy that they like to call, all these motions, all these end arounds, all these sweeps, all these RPOs, everything. Like that Shanahan offense is amazing. It's fun to watch. It's sometimes they even got the cameraman guessing wrong. Like he he doesn't know who to follow. It's it's a fun offense, and they have a good defense to back it up. And he has George Kittle. He has Brandon Ayuk. He has uh, Debo Samuel. They I think they drafted another running back. That offense is gonna be scary, and I'm excited for Trey Lance. I wish him the best. Uh, he he didn't have a lot of good offers coming out of high school and like no one really wanted him the perseverance his story is great i think he's a great kid everything i've heard from him is like inspirational it's great i love to see it how he came and how he built himself up went to north dakota he built himself up there and now the trajectory the rise that he had to go number three to the niners is just an incredible story and i want to see it end well in the nfl i want him to succeed i want him to have a great career and i think he will I think the Niners have the foundation and the people around him to really, you know, help him succeed. He has all the tools, amazing arm. He has quick feet. He's fast. He's built right. He, he looks like a quarterback. So I'm happy for Trey Lance. I'm happy for Niners. I'm happy for Niner fans because I know a lot of them were worried about Mac Jones. But I know that a lot of them did want Justin Fields. So I think that would be the comparison. I don't think people would really compare Trey Lance with Trevor Lawrence or uh, Zach Wilson, just because everyone, those were those guys were locked in. I think people will compare Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence to each other, and Trey Lance will always be compared to Justin Fields and maybe Mac Jones because he was rumored. But I don't really think Trey Lance will be compared too much with uh, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence just because he wasn't really in the discussion to go one or two. Everyone kind of knew who Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one. Zach Wilson, that's the one that people might compare with Trevor Lawrence. But I just, uh, for Niner fans, I hope Trey Lance works out because I really like Justin Fields. But I think both of them should have good careers. Uh, Trey Lance is in a way better spot than Justin Fields. But with that comes a lot of pressure. So I would definitely be tuning into Niner games next year. I'm excited to see how he, he pans out. They're in a, they're in a must win now. Their, their championship window is definitely open. And I would not be surprised if uh, Trey Lance wins that starting job out of camp. And he's a starting quarterback um, when, when the NFL season starts. I also won't be surprised if they cut Jimmy or if they trade him. So we'll see how that plays out. But overall, I think the Niners made the right decision by not getting Mac Jones and getting Trey Lance. But I did talk about a little bit about Justin Fields. Let's talk about Justin Fields. The Bears trade up to number 11 from number 22 draft. Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Uh, It was one of the surprises of the NFL draft. The Giants trade down once the Eagles traded up to number 10 to select Devontae Smith. The Giants knew that they wanted to trade down. That was the guy they wanted. And once the Bears saw that the Broncos didn't get Justin Fields uh, and he he fell past number 10, it was time to move up and they move up and they get Justin Fields. I think it's a great... I, li- I like what the Bears are doing. I like how they weren't scared. Um, 
with like their decision to trade up to go get Trubisky. I like how that didn't deter them from going and trading up again to get their guy. I do believe if they wouldn't have traded up, there is rumors that the Vikings were going to get him. And although the Patriots are saying Mac Jones was their guy, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if uh, the Patriots would have drafted him too. Although he wouldn't have made it past the Vikings. The Bears saw that he was falling down the draft and they moved up. Uh, they trade a first and a fifth this year, and then they trade a first and a fourth next year to move up nine spots to select them. I think it's the right decision. Uh, I've criticized Pace before for his decisions, but I, this was an aggressive move, and I liked it. The Bears have never had a quarterback in their history t- to throw over 4,000 yards. That's a crazy stat if you consider uh, the way the NFL has been these last three, five, eight, ten years since they've started protecting the quarterback more, it seems like everybody throws over 4,000 yards. That's the new 3,000. It used to be if you threw over 3,000 yards, you had a good season, 3,500, 3,800, like really good season. Over 4,000 yards, you're one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now it just feels like 4,000 yards is just the minimum requirement for the start for a starting quality starting quarterback. And the Bears have never had, still to this day, a quarterback throw over 4,000 yards. Yards. I think Justin Fields becomes the first quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards in a Bears uniform, and he might do it this this season as a rookie. I think he he will beat out Andy Dalton, and he will beat out uh, Foles for that starting job. The Bears did just cut did just cut their left tackle today, so for his sake, I hope they protect him. But unlike Foles, unlike uh. Andy Dalton, Justin Fields could move. Justin Fields could be his own protection. He could, His feet could save him from a lot of bad offensive line play. So we'll see We'll see if the Bears are able to develop him. This is definitely a tougher situation than where Trey Lance is going. Uh, the Bears don't have... They don't have a bad defense, but they don't have the foundation on offense to really help him out. They, they do have Allen Robinson. They tagged him, I believe. So he has a number one weapon. Montgomery is not a bad running back. He's he played great at the end of the season, so he does have some weapons to get him started. We'll see, we'll see how he progresses with them. We'll see how he does. But I think this was a great move for the Bears. I think it was great for them to be aggressive to to not just you know go into the season with Andy Dalton. And I know they wanted to trade for Russell Wilson. We'll see if maybe they still go get him. They offer Justin Fields for Russell Wilson some picks. We'll see, but I think if Justin Fields is their plan, which I think it is, that's a very solid plan, and they did have to give up some picks next year, but I think Justin Fields, I really like Justin Fields. People say he can't go through his progressions. He's a one-read quarterback. I think he'll progress. He looks like he's a smart guy. He looks very determined, and I think he has a chip on his shoulder throughout this whole process, throughout high school, throughout college, and leading up to the draft, he was always being compared to Trevor Lawrence. It was one and two. And for him to like move down draft boards, for Zach Wilson to surpass him, for Trey Lance to surpass him, although I do think those are quality quarterbacks and they should have quality careers themselves, I think that is really going to leave a chip with, with, uh, excuse me, with uh, Jones. So I think I think he I think he's gonna be great for them. I think uh, he has a chance to be great, and I think the Bears. I mean Fields, Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields has a chance to be great. I think the Bears have found their guy, and for Matt Nagby, this is it. Like I think he's running out of time with the Bears. He's supposed to be a great offensive mind. He's supposed to be developing that offense into you know a juggernaut. He has his quarterback now. So now the time is ticking. He got his guy. He traded picks again to go get him. So let's see what the Bears do. Let's see if uh, they're able to actually benefit from having an elite defense and if their offense can put a product on the field. Because if you have watched the Bears these last few years on offense, they are atrocious. They are hard to watch. Uh, They got some primetime games where you were just like, whoa, this is tough. Like They can't even get a first down. They can't even get to the other side of the field. They can't even cross the 50-yard line. Like, they're going backwards on some of these plays. Uh, they would end, the, like, the half on negative yards thrown or something like that. Like, it was just ridiculous. 
So we'll see. We'll see if Nagby is the coach we think that he thinks he is, or that people claim that he is. But I like. I really like Justin Fields. So I hope he succeeds. So Justin Fields, if you're watching this, I am rooting for you, my guy. I want you to succeed. I want you to do great things with the Bears. And last but not least, the Lakers beat the Nuggets 93 to 89, snapping a three-game losing streak. Without LeBron James, without Dennis Schroeder, they get it done. And the number one reason for this, I believe, is the defense holding the Nuggets to 89 points while they were riding a five-game winning streak, while the Lakers were down after getting beaten by the Raptors, after Kyle Lowry went off on them, showed them why they should have traded for him. The Lakers respond. I know there was Laker fans that were ready to hop off the bandwagon, to hop off the boat but the lakers pulled it off they get a win much needed a win against the nuggets quality win too the nuggets are a good team even without jamal murray they have they're still a very quality team so for the lakers to get that dub great dub they play the clippers next we'll see if they're able to build on that ad said that they are back uh i'm not sure Let's pump the brakes. I don't think they're officially back. They won't be back. First of all, you can't be back without LeBron James. If LeBron James is still having an agony injury, there's no chance the Lakers win a championship again. But it is a step in the right direction. I liked what I saw from the defense. I liked the effort that the Lakers playing with. They look like they had a sense of urgency. They looked like they really wanted to go for this win. And I feel like they knew that they, they kind of had to have this win. It was the standings. For the Western Conference are getting very tight. With that win, the Lakers did move up to fifth. Um, they are now above the Mavericks, above the Trailblazers, above the Warriors. But the Mavs and the Trailblazers are a half game and a, a game back behind them. So it's going to be a photo finish these last four games or five, six, seven games that are left. Um, I do, I do think the Lakers are going to hold off the play-in. But it's going to be, it's going to be, I would not be, now I won't be surprised if they do slip into the play-in, especially because LeBron James is nursing that game. They're already saying that he's going to miss the next back-to-back, which I believe is the Clippers and the Trailblazers. So he's going to miss that back-to-back. The Clippers, uh, they're playing great basketball. They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA. The Trailblazers being one of the teams that is a game behind the Lakers. So by this weekend, by Saturday by the by Friday night, the Lakers might be out of the playoff spots and they might be in the playing spot. So this Nuggets victory was crucial. It was important, and I'm I'm glad they started this very rough stretch of their schedule. If you guys haven't seen, after the Raptors game, they played the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Knicks. Next five games, and then they do play the Rockets, the Pacers, and the Pelicans which should be wins if LeBron is back. Dennis Schroeder is in COVID protocol. We'll see how long that takes him out. Around He probably has around 12, 13 days left to come back. So that should put him uh, to come back probably just for the last game, uh, Lakers versus Pelicans. He's probably going to miss the Pacers game too. So we'll see how the Lakers finish the season. It could be, it could be ugly. I'm not going to lie. We could see the Lakers slip into the playing games. But if the defense plays this great, Holding the Nuggets, like I said, to 89 points is very, very impressive. In my opinion, the Nuggets have been playing great basketball. And in the games before the Lakers, uh, they scored 110, 121, 114, 120, 129, 118, 106, 139, 128, 123. The last time someone held them under 100 points was uh, April 11th, the Celtics. So it's been a while, almost a month, since anyone held the Nuggets under 100 points. So... That was a great performance by the Lakers, defensive-wise. A lot of hustle. Anthony Davis had his best game since coming back from the injury. 25 points, and he was everywhere on defense. Also, Marcus saw because of, because of Drummond having uh, foul trouble, he played some very important minutes, and he gave the Lakers quality play. Uh, he was a big body to put up against Jokic. Obviously, Jokic is going to do his thing. He's going to be a quality player. He's always going to you know put up points, get assists. But Marc Gasol held his own against him, and he stretched the floor, something Drummond can't do. He hit, like, two or three threes that really, like, were important because the Nuggets were making a very, very dangerous comeback. 
and Marcus Gasol made key ba- baskets. He was a key contributor to this win. I would not be opposed to Marcus Gasol getting more minutes. Drummond has his liabilities. He does have strong points, but I don't think he's the solution for every single team. I think there's games where Drummond should get the bulk of the minutes at the center position where he could dominate in the paint. But there's also situations where Marcus Gasol should get minutes, should be there to stretch the floor, especially if his three is falling. If it's not just like... If they're not falling, then yeah, he becomes like, you know, you don't really want to play Marcus Gasol that many minutes. But if the three is falling for him, if he's able to stretch that floor at the five and he could still provide like a big body, a seven footer at the rim, then I don't think Marcus Gasol should be, you know, put in the doghouse and not get any minutes. I think he should deserve some 10 to 15 minutes, especially if the three is falling, like I've said. And if Drummond is not playing that great, because Drummond is known for missing some easy layups and some putbacks and stuff like that. Like, for all the great that Drummond has done, he is not, like, an elite player that should always be starting. That's what I'm trying to say. But good good game by Marcus Saw. I was impressed by what I saw. Like I said, the defense played good. Thornton Tucker had, had a rough start, but he finished. He had a good game. I like what I saw from him. Overall, I like the energy that the Lakers played with against the Nuggets, and I hope that they're able to keep playing with this energy because they, they're going to need it, this tough, tough stretch. Clippers, Suns, Knicks, a lot of hard games coming up. But the Lakers, they pretty much, there's, there's no hope for them to finish in the top four. Now they're just trying to hold on to that five or six place. And right now, as the standings um, stand, they would be playing the Clippers in the first round. Best case scenario, they're in the first they're in the top six seeds, and they play the Nuggets in the first round. Best case scenario. But if for some reason they play the Clippers, Lakers, this stretch of games that they're playing, that would be their best uh, preparation for the Clippers in the first round if they do play them. And if not, if they slip to to the seventh or eighth, well, I don't think they could fall to the eighth, but to the seventh spot, then I think the Lakers do have it in them to win one out of two games against the Warriors or the Grizzlies or the Spurs. So we'll see. We'll see how they do it. But overall, I think it was a good victory for the Lakers. Um, they had to stop the skid at three games, and they did. Uh, impressive win against the Nuggets, who were riding a five-game winning streak. And I hope this is the turning point. I hope AD was right and that they're back. And we'll see how they finish the rest of the season. But that should do it for the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This was episode 45. Tomorrow... Uh, Real Madrid plays against Chelsea in the second draw of the Champions League uh, semifinals. I'll probably do an episode on Thursday or Friday. I think I might do an episode with my boy Hector tomorrow too. So that should be dropping soon. And the NBA is really heating up. So if if you need something to watch these next few days, tune in to some NBA games. This plane was an amazing idea. It makes more games important down down the line at the end of the season. So there's a lot of good basketball being played right now. If you guys need something to watch, definitely tune in to the NBA game. And this uh, this weekend, if you want some good soccer games, Real Madrid versus Sevilla on Saturday, Barcelona against Atletico on Sunday. So tune into that. But thank you for listening. Thank you for following the podcast. This has been episode 45. My name is Ismael San Juan. Have a great rest of your day.